I'll clear some space on the back of the Latrell Mitchell bandwagon because I am diving and I'm diving <laughs> like it's a mosh pit off the stage right into the middle of the Latrell Mitchell bandwagon. In fact, I've probably been on the bandwagon, truth be told, for most of the season because... There he is. Latrell Mitchell leads the try-scoring list with 17 tries. He leads the point-scoring list by oh, almost 50 points. So he's a long way clear there. And he's a big chance of doing the double, the first person to do the double since Mal Meninga back in 1990. Hi, everybody. Warren Smith, Lara Pitt, Matty Russell on You Can Take Me Now. I've seen it all. And it's remarkable to think we've gone almost three decades and nobody has done what Mal did in 1990 and won both the point scoring and the try scoring. You know, you'd have thought Hazamel Masri, amongst others, would have been a massive chance. So we'll have to go back in time and see how close Hazam was to doing the double. Do you have that with us? No, I don't. we don't. But he's been an unbelievable foreman at the game yesterday. As I finished his interview, he was having a chirp with Luke Keary and he said, oh, just two. Like, he wanted to get a third. <laughs> he's just hungry at the moment and it was such a special day at the SCG, particularly for Luttrell, given the week he had and he spoke about uh, that with us on Fox League um, and just thanked everyone in uh, the rugby league community and outside the rugby league community for all their support. Another 18-point haul for him individually and they just love playing at the Sydney Cricket Ground. It was a marvellous second half in particular. They didn't feel worried, even though, you know, they weren't perfect in the first half. Uh, the Warriors had a better start. They just look like they can just click into gear uh, in, and take another level, even if they aren't perfect to start a game. They've got that confidence that, that they'll find it. What an awesome athlete. You mentioned it, top of the points, top of the tries. He's also kicked the most goals this year. And when he comes in to strike the ball effortlessly, it then flies as if it's been shot out of a cannon. He strikes the ball so well. And, yeah, what is it now? Five in a row wins for the Roosters and seven in a row for the Roosters at the SCG. Those numbers sound right to me. And before the touch yesterday, I was lucky enough to walk through the Roosters' dressing room. Ross, there. uh Gear Stewart allowed myself and Jackson Mills before we did the touch game to go through and it is such a great dressing room. It, it has to have an impact on the, the Roosters amid all that history. Uh, it's a classic Australian sporting ground and as you walk out, there's a letter from Don Bradman that says, tell me to do something difficult, I'll do it. Tell me to do something impossible, I'll do it presently. 1928, signed the Don. And as you look up and see that and then walk out to play a game of rugby league on that famous venue, it must be mm. really significant and it's not surprising the Roosters are doing so well there. Yeah, it is very cool in the in that Australian cricket team dressing room, isn't it? Because you're sitting there and you just, you know, you're like, you can, it's, there's dots, there's um, little spike marks in the benches and stuff. And you're thinking that, that could be the Don's spike marks yep. or all the greats who have played there over the years for New South Wales and Australia in cricket. Um, it's a fascinating little, and it's a it's a time capsule. And all the great rugby league players that played there That's as right. well. That's exactly as Churchill, yeah. everybody has a story, and that is something that is not lost on Trent Robinson. He would love that he's been able to weave that into the competition this year for his team and... Speaking to Latrell pre-game, he didn't shy away from the fact that he loves playing there and I think he obviously has an understanding from whatever talks that Robbo has put the team through to, to get that knowledge about the significance of playing there this year because it's a season they probably won't ever forget. I was thinking about that yesterday because, you know, they'll have these fond memories. It's a short-term thing, right? They're building their new stadium but they'll have these wonderful memories of a year where they had this great record. Teams don't like playing there because they're so unfamiliar with it. It's a different uh, configuration for teams. And 
And Robbo knows that, that teams aren't going to enjoy coming there and that's why they need to finish top two. And 228 points they've scored in their past five games. Admittedly, some of those teams, like the Gold Coast Titans and Newcastle Knights, are struggling and down in their form when they played them there. But you can only beat who's in front of you. And they've racked up some scores, some cricket scores, quite literally, against some of those teams. 228 points in five games, their last five home games. They are putting teams to the sword there. And you can just tell, I mean, even though it was tight early on and the Warriors jumped out early, you just sort of knew on that firm, fast surface, sunny afternoon... And it seems to be that way all the, every time they play there at the moment. They've played yeah. a bunch of day games there. And you, with the back line they've got, I mean, it's Cronk to Keary to Tedesco to Mitchell to Tupo. I mean, that left-hand side. Yeah. It's as good as we've seen in the, in the league for a long, long time. Talking to Cooper Cronk after the game, had a laugh. I didn't ask him about it in my interview, but he even uh, had a falcon which led to a try. Mm. The best for ever, the Roosters. I And he said, there you go, something else he hadn't achieved before yeah. but managed to tick that box yep. before he retired. And there was a lovely moment at the end of the game where, as we've come to know the Warriors, they um, do something uh, very respectful for those that are retiring. They put Cooper in the middle of their huddle and um, gave a, a beautiful speech to, to him and said, thank you for all, you know, that you've done for the game. It's been an honour to play against you. And I guess we do forget because... There hasn't been as much fanfare that we've seen of other champions last year that retired for Cooper, who's also ticking off teams that he'll never play against again. And what's their run home now, the Roosters? Their run home, they have... The Dragons at Jubilee this weekend. Dragons, then the Panthers and then the Roos- at the FCG, Rabbitohs. and then they finish with the Rabbitohs at ANZ Stadium. So, um, yeah, top two bound, you'd have to say. Uh, they should beat the Dragons. You'd think they'd beat the Panthers. You'd think they'd beat the Rabbitohs. I mean, I, I can't see why they wouldn't win all three and run the table. And that would be uh, eight wins in a row going into the finals. And uh, their timing looks to be pretty good. They're going to get Boyd Corden back um, maybe a little later than they were hoping. I think they were actually hoping he was going to play on the weekend against the Warriors. But uh, And... Maybe a little bit of ducks and drakes by the Roosters in regards to the actual nature of the injury with Boyd Cordner. It was a calf muscle that he was out with uh, initially from a couple of weeks ago. I think there's no doubt he tweaked a quad. Well, Robbo was pretty firm on it the day before the game on the weekend, but yeah, Yeah, I don't know. Why would they lie? I wasn't there at the captain's (laughs) run. Oh, they're the best. I wasn't there at the captain's run. I've got to say... Uh, Robbo, tremendous fella. Uh, his, uh, he, he was almost verging on Des Hasler-like in his avoidance of trying to answer that question mm-hmm. uh, the day before about Boyd Corner as to the exact nature now of the calf muscle and the whether it was the quad and he was talking about progressions and something else and this and that and all the timing. And he was like, oh, Robbo, put the shovel down. Put the <laughs> shovel down now. He's injured. He'll be back whenever. It's all okay. And the reason that coaches protect players in this instance is because I remember a few years ago, Justin Paul was at Dragons training when Nathan Brown was the coach. And Justin Paul, lovely fellow, came over, addressed the media uh, that I'm coming back this weekend. What's been your problem exactly? Oh, broken finger, but it's, it's right to go. I'm pretty sure. A bit sore still, but okay. Nathan overheard it, came over, and as soon as the media conference was over... Pory, you idiot. You've just told the opposition you've got a sore finger, a broken finger. What's the first thing they're going to do in the tackle on the weekend? They're going to pull the finger. They're going to bend the finger. And that is why coaches are so protective of their players so that they don't leak what the problem is. But I can't understand it with a calf or a quad necessarily because you can't exactly inflame that injury easily. Unless you are Sam Burgess and you're playing at a lot less than 100% fitness and you're chasing as someone pours away down the side of the field and you re-injure that quad and... 
Uh, who knows when Sam will be back? I mean, he, he might well play this week for the Rabbitohs. They certainly need him, but mm. I don't know if there's any value in him playing. If he's going to be, he was. You could just tell in the first half and his first stint before he came from the field, he wasn't anything like the normal Sam Burgess. He was very reserved with his carries. Um, that intensity, whether he's a bit gun shy off the back of the tackle on Matt Moylan, but he wasn't the same player and. I'm guessing the injury was a massive part of that. So uh, carrying injuries into big games can be, uh, as we've seen in the past, can be, you know, if you get through, it's fine. If you struggle, uh, you can be a bit of a hindrance to the team. Mm. So we'll see how Sam and Boyd Cordner and Siwa Taukayaho, Jake Friend, he, I don't think Jake will be back. Maybe round 25. Maybe round 25, yeah. Yeah, they're hoping that he'll be back and then they'll have their full strength team, which I don't think they've had all year, really. They've had mm. a number of those guys out in and out of the squad the entire season. One last thing that came out of that game was that the Roosters got the entire squad onto the pitch for the team song at the end of the game, which, you know, we often get access to because it's in the sheds now and we um, get our cameras in there, but this was something different. All the players had their families for Women in League Round come down and celebrate the song with them um, and some beautiful photos to come out of that and I just was an absolute privilege to be able to watch it myself but James Tedesco and his two nanas were there and Fantastic. all the all the children running around and it was probably a perfect way to to round out a women in league round you know, that bit of nostalgia, having grown up and watching plenty of games at the SCG and finals back in the old days and grand finals there and stuff, there's still something about going to the SCG that um, that, that appeals to me. But, mm. you know, I'd much prefer it to be in a nice, tight, rectangular stadium mm. somewhere. Mm. Well, if it's if they are there week one of the finals and if it was as is now, it would be the Roosters and the Raiders, would it, at... At the SCG in week one? Is that how it how what, it what, what a battle that would yeah. be. Yeah, two versus three. Melbourne yeah. would play Manly, who are now there in fourth position, and the Rabbitohs are slowly sinking um, into the mire, aren't they? Third. I don't even think with a 80% fit Sam Burgess, as it looked like he was only about that on mm. the weekend, they, seems to, they seem to be in a whole world of trouble. They can't get their attack to sing and... Perhaps it's been a little bit of a false dawn. They haven't probably put their best football together since very early on in the season. Well, having said that, let's go through their record. Their last 10 games, they've won three. Mm. I mean, admittedly, some of those were during origin when they had players missing and players being rested or whatever else. But, you know, they lost to Parramatta, Newcastle, Penrith and the Tigers four straight games, having won, admittedly, 10 of their first 11. They were flying right there at the top of the premiership, and then they lose four games, you know, and you think, well, okay, a bit of a hiccup there. But then they, they won those three straight. That was a false dawn, the three straight. Well, it was. They beat Manly by a point. That's right. Beat Manly by a point. They just beat, beat the Cowboys. Only just beat the Dragons. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking back, the form line isn't great. I mean, the, the Dragons haven't really fired a cracker for a long time, and you just scrape by. Admittedly, Gareth Whitt was back in that game, but then they've gone three straight against the Sharks, the Storm, and then the Bulldogs. Three wins in their last ten games. Now they've got the Broncos this week. A huge game. A huge game on Friday For night. For many reasons. <laughs> and then the Warriors in round 24 on the road. The Warriors are a you know, better team, you'd think, at home than they are away, but they've got issues with injuries themselves, most notably in the hooking department at the moment. And then they finish with the, the, the Roosters mm. at home. And... Um, that game could well be, I guess, you know, depending on how things pan out. But uh, they're five points clear, so they're going to finish either fifth or sixth. It's unthinkable. Could they lose three straight and miss out on fifth or sixth? 
I mean, I guess ma- mathematically, quite obviously, it's a chance. But and Brisbane, if they beat them this week, will think, well, it's game on. And who knows if Brisbane win three straight and the Rabbitohs lose three straight, they could finish above them. But that's Goodness. that what would still the... there's 115 points for and against difference between those two. So look, they they're going to finish fifth or sixth, and they'll have a home final. You'd think in week one as a result, but. Geez, it might be one and done. How do you react when you hear experts say that the bunnies look tired? It looks like they're running on empty. Um, how do you like reckon the bloke on the jackhammer out in Western Sydney working six and a half days a week feels or some professional who's got a big family and he's under the pump from the boss feels? And they've got a coach who knows how to keep them fresh. He's the best in the business, been at it for a long, long time. They've got uh, a way to freshen up surely aside from being flat during games. When I hear that, it doesn't wash with me. I don't like hearing it. I, don't, I think it's an excuse. And as we come towards September, you're a professional rugby league player. Your job is not to be tired. Now, maybe they will say, well, we're not. Other problems are there. And those experts who are saying we look tired and we look jaded are wrong. But I don't like hearing that explanation of a team and why they're struggling, they're tired. Well, hang on. There's plenty of people across the community who should be tired but are managing to get the job done. Where do you sit with that? I think maybe the, what they'd prefer people to be saying is that they're playing hurt because it would seem that a few of them, like Sam, like Adam Reynolds, they're playing at the moment through injury. None of them want to talk about it. Sam Burgess was squirming through his post-game interview with Megan Barnard when he was asked, you know, how how's he feeling? And he doesn't want to talk about the fact that he's probably busted, but he's trying to do the best for his team and be out there. I'd rather have someone say they're playing hurt than they're playing yeah. tired. If someone said about Matt Russell, oh, he's tired. Mm. But, but I'm I, hurt, I'd say, no, I'm bloody hurt. I'm not tired. I'd take that as an assault. But all players, they feel like they're tough and at this time of year that what they will say is everyone's playing with injuries at this point of the yeah, year. Maybe some are worse than others. What rings in my head is before the Origin series kicked off, Wayne Bennett was asked about the number of stars he had playing Origin and his equation was simple. If you have four or more players playing State of Origin, it's a tough ask to win this premiership. And he laid the platform before a ball had been kicked in State of Origin and he had a number of stars heading that way. He he didn't rest. I don't feel like he rested Cam Murray at all through the series. Damien Cook had someone on the bench, Bailey Sirenen, coming on and giving him mm. spells through Origin. But by and large, they've all played through. But in his experience, it's hard to win the premiership. Four is the absolute most you can have running out in Origin and then playing the back end of the year successfully. Maybe he's he knew that they would run out of gas. Well, they've had Sam suspended and injured. They've had George, George suspended. Yep. So there is a bit of play there. But I, I just don't like hearing that a team isn't performing because they're tired. What has changed with Wayne Bennett? You go back to 2006 where the Broncos had a post-origin slump when they won the premiership. And he said, we're not in a slump every week. They, they lost six, five or six games straight. And he said, we're not in a slump, not in a slump. We are not in a slump. Every presser was all Groundhog Day. It was the same thing every week. We are not in a slump. But they were obviously in a slump, but he didn't want to say, he didn't want to give the players that out, that, yeah, we're in a slump, we've come off the back of origin and we are battling as a result. But here he is at the moment. For the last couple of weeks, he said, you know, if we can't beat, um, couldn't win that game off the, uh, the back of who they beat. They came out and they got lapped by the uh, Sharks. They were disappointing there. He said, we had to perform against Melbourne, otherwise there was no point turning up in September. Well, they turned up against Melbourne. They played very well but came up short. No no drama, no harm done there. 
Then they came in and played as they did against the Bulldogs. That was back to what they showed against the Sharks two weeks before that. He came out and he said, well, you know, we're not done with yet, but, boy, we're close. Like, we're not done as far as a premiership prospect, but we're close to being done. Well, it's amazing how he's turned, like, from 13 years ago when they won the premiership in Brisbane, his, his mindset is completely different. Well, maybe he didn't believe that the football they were playing in that incredible run at the beginning of the year was... Legitimate. was legitimate. It was good enough because maybe everybody else was not playing at their best yet and they peaked early. And it looks like the St George Illawarra Dragons form line of the last few years. You can win the first 10 of your 11, but it doesn't matter mm. if you're not firing at the back mm. end of the year. Maybe he's second-guessing himself when he said off the back of Origin that he won't be resting anybody. Off the, Damien Cook, Cameron Murray, Dane Gagai weren't going to get rested. They're, they're experienced. They've been through this. They know how to handle an origin campaign. He was happy that Damien Cook was going to be flying mm. in the dummy half role still as well. I mean, Damien's been playing fine, but, you know, maybe a, a week off for all of them just to freshen up at some point. In, in you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, yeah. And maybe one of those games, you know, when they took on the Dragons uh, or took on North Queensland, maybe they could have got a rest then. He had a lot of backline players with injuries, so maybe Dane Gagai was never going to get a rest. He's very thin on his backline stocks. Mm. But can we just give a wrap to your favourite coach, Dean Pay, that you guys started your petition for to re-sign and they yeah. re-signed him. And I feel like they do this, though, at the back end of seasons, don't they, the Bulldogs? Did they do this last year? Did it last year. Yeah. That, so, you know, we're getting excited for them for next year and then we'll see what happens. But, yeah, you found yourself somehow cheering them on because it's been such a rotten run. I don't think we should belittle it. They've beaten yeah. South Sydney, who are desperately trying to find some form and push into towards the top eight, and out come Dean Pay's Bulldogs and get the job done. And when you look at the ladder and see the teams they are there or thereabouts and compare rosters, you think to yourself, well, they have done a great job to rack up the number of wins they have, and you keep going back to it. Who drives that sort of never-give-up attitude? Who makes sure that players are held to account and achieve their best? It's the coach. And Dean Pay, I'm sure he'd admit that there are areas in his coaching where he needs to improve and wants to develop, but all in all, he's done a fantastic job this season. And I cannot believe that earlier on people were saying he's got to go. There's, there's, there'll be a new person come in to the dogs. Is there something to be said, and I'm not belittling it, but is there something to be said that when you know you're not in the finals finals contention, there's no pressure anymore? There's also an ease that should things go against you, well, well we're not going to play finals anyway, we'll just give yeah. up. Look at the Gold Coast Titans. Last two weeks in the game at halftime, after the break, when things get a little tougher and the opposition really uh, knuckles down, the Gold Coast go by the way yeah. side. That can't be said about the Bulldogs. No. Look at the North Queensland Cowboys. It's exactly the same with them. Yeah. They have pulled the Bundy cut out of the back pocket and just gone ka-ching, yeah. season's over. Is it Bali or Byron Bay? Who can no. get on the flight centre quick enough and book those tickets for us? But last year, the Bulldogs were 4-14 four and 14 after their first 18 games of the season and won four of their last six. And... Remarkably, of course, remember the Dragons were limping their way towards the finals and then the second last game of the regular season got beaten 38 blot mm. by the Bulldogs at Cogra in that unforgettable afternoon. And here they are again, something similar, isn't it? They're way out of contention for the finals. They've won five of their past seven. Still three games to go. Um, we'll, we'll see if they can keep the momentum going. But it's changed expectations and that's probably why Dean Pay was under the pump as he was at the beginning of this season because expectations, you know, if they'd gone through the rest of that season last year and won one of their last six or seven and won only five games for the year, expectations would have been really low on the Bulldogs coming into 2019. But those four wins in the final six games last year changed 
expectations. And what they're doing now will change expectations again going into 2020. They've had eight wins so far this season, the Bulldogs. The team in eighth, Cronulla, has had ten. So they're two wins outside the top eight. Yeah. They don't really have anybody coming off contract at the end mm. of this season. I think Michael Leisha is one of them. He didn't play on the weekend, but um, we're telling you, he's a Lesniak. He's just arrived there. He's... If he was on the open market now, he'd be going for a bit because he's playing super football in the fullback position as a full-time fullback. But Nick Mooney's 2021, Kerrod Holland's there next year, Hopawati next year, Remus Smith. Most of them are signed through 2020. There's a couple beyond that, including Corey Harawira Naira and Dylan Napa. But I reckon more, maybe 75% of the players in the team that beat the Rabbitohs on Saturday night are signed through the end of next year only. So there is a chance for a, a turning over of the roster. Um, go, and it doesn't mean they couldn't offload players between yeah. now and the start of I'd next season. I'd say there's plenty of clubs who haven't been successful in the bottom eight that would be looking to shift peak players. And You've got to find homes changes. for them. Yeah. And, and not be carrying too much of that, that salary if you can offload some players who, if you are looking to offload whomever. So... And was yeah. because the Dogs beat South Sydney, it means that Manly is now in the top four. South's in fifth. Manly beating West Tigers uh, to open the round. I was at Lotto Land, a beautiful winter's evening at Lotto Land. And what a horrible outcome for Jacob Little mm. to do that knee so badly. Uh, little story from behind the scenes. So Jacob Little goes into the dressing room, one of the first players there to lend his support. Offer advice, console was a bloke on crutches, his own leg in a brace, Robbie Farrah. Next one to be there, uh, Josh Reynolds, another of the hooking options for West Tigers. And Josh came out to be with Jacob's partner, who was distressed by the injury. And Dan Tallentire, their media man who's a listener to this podcast, he was sensational as well, bringing the information straight out and saying, look, sadly, I think he's done all three ligaments. Um, it's really, really bad. He's going to which is a Slade Griffin absolutely type situation. He's going to call some family and friends. Do you mind giving him the time to do that? So I said, look, how about I go back and report that it's a really, really significant, serious knee injury without speculating that all three ligaments are blown out. There could be structural damage aside from that as well. So. The Tigers handled that situation really, really well. And it was great to see so much support for Jacob, who had only just come back in uh, and then Mm. suffers that injury after suffering shoulder and sternum problems in the past. So the wash-up of all of that is clearly the result went against the Tigers. They're gone now in terms of the finals race, you would say. But Josh Reynolds is on the record as saying that he'll play uh, this weekend at Campbelltown, where you're going. And there's another storyline. Josh Reynolds, the big money signing at... The Tigers so prominent in the injury of Jacob Little in terms of assisting him, who ultimately will be the man to benefit from him and return to the NRL this weekend. And what will that mean as far as Josh Reynolds is concerned with his tenure at the Tigers and all beyond? Is, is mm. he going to be a Tiger in well, he's out now for as well? A, a six to twelve month injury, Jacob Little, isn't it? It's, it's a, a long term. It's, it's a, a long. I would have thought it a year. Yeah, yeah. A year. Mm. Slade Griffin hasn't played this year, this, this season. He won't play this season. Mm. So, well, there are two elements. One that. Josh Reynolds could all of a sudden play hooker for West Tigers next year as their starting hooker. He could have a really strong finish to this season, put himself in the shop window and make it easier for the Tigers to say, "Okay, Josh, well, Club A has an offer. They were impressed by the way you finished the season. Off you go. We'll subsidise some of your contract and everyone's a winner. So Mm. watch this space. But it just makes the last few games for the Tigers even more intriguing, given that Josh Reynolds will get some NRL at long last. You, You would think Josh Reynolds is a natural fit to jump into the number nine. I mean, he, his That's where career he was. began yeah. off the yeah. bench as a backup number nine at the Bulldogs. And you'd think the type of play he is, he would handle defence, 
you know, in the middle of the field. I, w- I wouldn't have any issues with him, I don't think, defending in the middle of the field on a regular basis. Uh, given his speed, jumping out of dummy half, it would seem to be a, a bit of a natural fit. Of course, you know, that game management side of it, you know, you've got to listen to a playmaker on either side of you and know who's going to get the ball, who you want the, the ball to go to. And can you, you know, look up at a defensive line while the tackle's being completed? Are you counting numbers? Can you can you process all of that and work out which direction we should be going? Should I be running? Should I be kicking here? Can I kick regularly out of dummy half? Can't imagine why he couldn't do that on a regular basis as well. It just comes down to what he's costing you on the salary cap mm. and, you know, I guess like a, a money ball situation. If you're familiar with, you know, the, the theory in baseball is trying to get the most out of your, your salary cap or your, um, your 25 players that they have on the roster in, in a major league baseball team and trying to best utilise, you know, the, the production of the team. Can you better spend that money? Can I find a dummy half who can give me something like Josh Reynolds would give me out of dummy half and, and, and pay him half of what Josh Reynolds is earning and have that to spend elsewhere on the roster. So it's That's part of the reason I'm looking forward to seeing him jump around Campbelltown this weekend. Yeah, it'll be great. Slapping his hands, he'll be yelling in his teammates' ears. It'll be energy plus uh, from Josh Reynolds and, um, yeah. And, look, they look done as well because they're two points outside the top eight. The it's Bronx, not completely over, though. It's the not, same as no. Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle and the Tigers, that will decide... Some, yeah, the loser of that is, yeah. is, is done. Barley or yeah. Byron Bay. Yes. But the Tigers are minus 64 yeah, on right. four and against, yeah. which is like another loss again. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're two points out of the top eight behind the Sharks. They're on 22. The Tigers are on 20 down there in 11th position. But that minus 64, uh, the Sharks are plus eight. So they're, they're 72 points for and against, which they have to make up mm. in three games. It's almost like another, another loss. So even if they finish on equal points as the Sharks, you know, not, it's hard to imagine they're going to make up that difference. The Sharks aren't going to implode to the point that they, you know, give up, you know, 50 or 60, you wouldn't think, or the Tigers so, aren't going to win by 50 or 60, no. you know, total yeah. over those next three games. At this you point, think. the Knights and the Tigers are cheering for the Cowboys to beat the Panthers at 1-300-SMILES this weekend. I'm also if, doing that one. If they can do that, then the winner of the Knights... West Tigers game can be up on 22. So, yes, basically. That. If Panthers win, though, it's all the more difficult, basically. Yeah, it is. There's no question about that. Mm. So, yeah, they're very much odds against now that both the, uh, the Knights and the Tigers. The Knights are in a slightly better position because they are plus 15. So, you yeah. know, that, that's a vastly different scenario for uh, compared to the Tigers in regards to trying to push in and, you know, either bump the, the Broncos or the Sharks out of the eight. But, geez, that was an important win for Nathan Brown against uh, the Cowboys on Saturday. I think, totally, mm. if they hadn't have won that game today, I think there would have been a lot of headlines around the coach because that but, would have been seven consecutive losses. Yeah, and it's the second time this season that he's been in that position. Yeah, and earlier the team in the year, has responded. Yeah. Yep. Do you think that Newcastle could fall into the top eight? and just find their mojo again like they did mm. mid-season where they went on a, a winning streak of six games where Mitchell Pearce was prominent. Everyone says, oh, outside the top six, no one can win it. Well, what happens if the Knights fell in and, and then bang, which they have shown they can do by having such a long losing streak into such a big winning streak, would you just dismiss them out of hand as being someone who could go on a run and shock teams through the finals? I wouldn't. I uh, wouldn't, yeah. I would have thought week two of the finals, should, should they fall in? 
winning in week one would be a great result and getting an appearance in week two would be, yeah. you know, around about where they fit into my sort of scheme of things. Yeah. They've got, to take a look, they've got the Tigers this week at Campbelltown. They're at home against the Gold Coast by, and then, <laughs> then the they Panthers. play the Panthers That'll be huge. on the road. So they can get those three. They could yeah. get those they, through. Yeah, absolutely. They can win those three games. That takes them to 26 points. And then it depends. If the Sharks and Panthers above them, we not lose, basically. Yeah, so if they beat the Panthers, you would think you, you would think the so the Panthers between now and then, as I flip over here, they've got the Cowboys this week, we mentioned. They've got the Roosters. Uh, at the SCG oh, good luck. in round 24, and they finish with... It's going to come down to that round 25, potentially. So, round 25. So round 25... It's a beauty. It, it shapes up as a cracker because we have the Knights playing the Panthers that weekend. We also have the Sharks playing the Tigers. Mm. I think not, the Tigers could be done this I week. Think, I think the Tigers are done, and I think even, you know, going into round 25... If, should they win those next two games, I still think they'd probably come up short. I just think you know, it will depend. But then they play, they're playing the Sharks. Who are terrible. The Sharks are <laughs> the just up and down at the moment. And going into, uh, yeah, they've got the Warriors at home this week. They've got the Raiders at home. And they finish with the Tigers. I want to get to Parramatta quickly because uh, they are on 28 points along with Manly and the Rabbitohs. So essentially you'd say they are in joint fourth, separated only by differential. They trail the Rabbitohs by 24 and they're about four, well, they're 41 on the differential behind Manly. Over three games, they'd be looking to make that up a little bit. I watched Mitchell Moses have a hand in five of their six tries. Now, it was against the Gold Coast Titans, but he had three sublime try assists. He put Manu Ma'u through a hole for two other tries that were finished by someone else, so he doesn't get the assist, but he's contributed to five of the six tries. He nailed every conversion, some of which were difficult. And I said to a few people on the plane home, I won't reveal their identity, how good Mitchell Moses. And they said, yeah, but it was the Gold Coast Titans. He, he was fantastic. He went to the line. He put his body on the line. Will Mitch do that for the next three weeks into the finals and through the finals and really say to the rugby league world, Parramatta has a real deal number seven consistently. Well, they've got the Bulldogs this week. Then they've got the Broncos on the road in round 24. They finish with a blockbuster against Manly in round 25. So, uh, See, there's another one. That could be that could be for a top four spot. Let's just say the Eels beat the Bulldogs and then the Eels beat the Broncos uh, up there at Suncorp Stadium. Uh, they've got issues with suspensions and... Trying to find a halfback at the mm. moment. Jake Turpin is suspended for the next couple of weeks. So, well, I'm presuming they would take the early plea of the Wooshka he produced the other night. <laughs> and then, so he won't be available, I don't think, until round 25. Uh, Tom Dearden re-injured an ankle over the weekend playing intra-super premiership up there in Queensland. His season is done. They're looking for a number seven. Mm. Suddenly, it, Anthony Milford might have to go back and play in the halves and Darius Boyd go back. And they reshuffle the you know somebody for five eighth. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do in regards to the next couple of weeks. The Broncos. So let's just say Para win the next couple. Yeah, I mean there's every chance. Manly against the Eels in round 25 could well be for fourth position on the ladder. There's not much between them as far as for and against. There's 90. Uh, there's uh, 41 points for and against. So if the Eels were to win maybe comfortably 
against the Bulldogs. I don't think that could, you know, that's not on the cards at the moment. I think the Bulldogs are, are in that game uh, well and truly. Yeah, but let's just, let's just say the gap isn't doesn't grow. If Manly win the next two games and they have, well, they've got the Raiders this week, that will dictate everything. So, again, if we're going on ladder position, mm. say the Raiders win that one, it's down there in Canberra, and then Manly have the Melbourne Storm in round 24. So there's every chance that game, maybe by that stage, Parramatta is in fourth position. That's right. And Manly are trying to win to get back into fourth. And I love what the Eels did. They went to the Gold Coast on game day. They, I spoke to Mark O'Neill about it. They'd had some bad losses, especially last season, but this season included, that had some games where they thought they were really in contention to win it. They went there and performed limply. So they said, right, we're going to the Gold Coast on game day. It's all business. We're fl- no, no waking up and going to the beach or a flash Gold Coast cafe. We're not on holidays in the morning. We are flying on game day, going straight to the ground. It's a job, all business, and they did it. So Because their know, home record's eight and two and their away record's five and six. That's so, right. Uh, they were four yeah, and six, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And they mentioned three or four games to me where they had been really disappointed with the team's performance. So rather than going, as is the way with most teams, uh, arriving the day before the game, sometimes two days before the game, they went on game day, mix it up. I love grumpy Brad Arthur after the game. Did you read his comments? No, what did he have to say? It wasn't good enough. Well, because they did, they missed a lot of tackles still. Um, They had a lot of errors, the same amount of errors as the Titans. Was it 13 each on the night? And a lot of penalties went uh, against them as well. So he's not letting anyone get carried away with the performance. And he did say Mitch Moses obviously ran the ball more and had a great game, but those were the opportunities that were presented to him. So he should take them. Yes. And when he plays like that, the whole team gets a lot of confidence. Yeah. And while they won 36 points to 12, it's hard to be too critical, but. With that for and against in mind, and given how bad the, the Gold Coast Titans mm. have been since the sacking of Garth Brennan, thank goodness they sacked Garth Brennan. Because can you imagine <laughs> had Garth been in charge, how bad they'd be going now? I mean, honestly. And now next up is the Melbourne Storm in Melbourne, who will be in some kind of <laughs> oh filthy version of my a goodness. mood because of what happened. Can We could, we haven't even talked about well, the match of the round. Really. We'll get to that. But but seriously, <laughs> there's some boxing bouts that don't get sanctioned. You know, you can't have some <laughs> we need to stop big fat 60-year-old out of the pub fighting, you know, a fit and firing Jeff Horn. That, that, would, that would be they, the end of the Australian they, boxing they scene. Don't sanction, <laughs> they don't sanction those. They're not meant to anyway. Can you really, can the rugby league world sanction right now a cranky Melbourne at Amy Park, top of the ladder, against a down-on-their-luck, don't-want-to-be-there Titans, bottom of the ladder, was over to you, yes or no? Do you sanction this fight? No, I think it's like Justin Hodges and the bloke Hodjo fought at his last fight. Did you, <laughs> did you see that bloke? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, that's what I meant. I mean, how do some of those fights get sanctioned? I know I probably I'm saying if I'm the Victorian uh, Boxing <laughs> Association and uh, I'm saying, yeah, no, the Gold Coast Titans, you're not uh, fit and worthy of playing against the Melbourne Storm this week. Uh, you guys can uh, go to Bali early. I think, does Victoria still ban cage fighting? I think they do. Oh, so Let's hope so. If let's they hope. ban cage let's fighting. It's banned everywhere, isn't it? I don't know whether – I think Melbourne Titans might be banned this week. They have, you can have UFC in Melbourne. Can you? Is that oh, – I don't know. Yeah, that's – They've changed their ruling? I don't know. Someone's going to correct us anyway. I know, don't I, worry. I only know that because I know of somebody who went – flew down to Melbourne to see uh, Ronda yes. Rousey fighting. Yes. And when she got – They uh, lifted it by then. When she got beaten by whomever. Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I wouldn't be sanctioning this fight. I wouldn't be, <laughs> I wouldn't be sanctioning Melbourne Storm versus the Gold Coast Titans. The Victorian government lifting the ban on cage fighting in 2015, Warren. Oh, my Warren. God, I can't believe that. Uh, 
So that's the, what you, you were just, busy doing. You just it? checked it up. <laughs> yes, I checked it. So they lifted it, and that's why they were so able to have that big USC there you go. fight down there at um, yeah. at Docklands. So the Storm against the Titans. It's go ahead this weekend. Let's talk about the Storm and the Canberra Raiders, who. True to Ricky's words, who last yes, week we, we were discussing that, we said we were talking about Ricky saying, you know, if we were playing the grand final next week, I'm very confident if we were playing Melbourne in the grand final, <laughs> I'm confident we could beat Melbourne to win the premiership. And they went down there, they gave them 18 points start. It's unthinkable that Melbourne coughed that up. Do you think that was what Ricky was thinking when a second player was sent to the sin bin in the first half. Do you think he actually, in that moment, still remained confident that they could come back? Because I'm sitting there watching it going, this game's ruined. The, mm. the Raiders are going to run out of steam. There's no way they can, you know, overcome an 18-0 deficit against Melbourne in Melbourne. And I'm cranky at the game because I didn't, you know, whilst the, the, it was what it, what it was, they were sin bins, but you, you know, you just wanted it to be a contest. And I thought, oh, they're going to just run out of puff the Raiders because when you have to defend for 20 minutes of a first half um, with one man down, it's going to catch up with you. But I can't, be- I could not believe I'm driving back. Hannah and I are in, in the car on the way back from Newcastle down that M1 glorious drive back. And we could not, we were just sitting there going, oh, terrible. They're going to lose 18 nil, blah, blah. And then just watching that comeback. I wasn't watching, of course, I was just listening to the dulcet tones of the commentary and Hannah was watching it on a Fox League app and they won. I could not believe it when well, Josh Papali crashed over under the posts. In Melbourne, Melbourne leading by double figures, the opposition with two players, yeah. Sinbin, the common statement to me yesterday at the SCG about that game was, Melbourne don't lose those games. Melbourne don't fine. lose those games. I must have heard that four times yesterday from different rugby league people. Melbourne don't lose those games. No, they don't, but they did. And that's why Sia Soliola was banging the drum and leading the Viking clap in the travelling Canberra fans. How good is that? That was I've got to say, like, you know, Sia Soliola, such a humble guy and fairly quiet sort of guy to see him over there leading the celebrations, like, at the back end of his career. That was really cool. I, I called my family over as I watched it online and said, have a look at this. Mm. They, they don't know the Viking clap from any other sort of clap. If you haven't seen that, uh, jump online or check on the, the Fox app or whatever else and uh, take a look at the, uh, the Viking, the post-game Viking clap with think, Sia I feel like that's the, the kind drum. of scenes that internationally anybody could appreciate. You know how yeah. when we see something happen overseas in the baseball or in EPL and yes. you don't have to know anything about that game or those teams. When you see that, you go, how good? Uh, exactly. And um, do you think the narcs would say it's disrespectful? No. Do you expect any blowback well, from people saying, hang on, this is the opposition venue? No. I, I hope not. Not when really there's that many not. Raiders fans. If there were maybe only like 12 Raiders fans and you were rubbing it in. But, but there was a big section of them. There was a big section yeah. and they deserve to celebrate a good, team good. with their team. Good. And the other thing is, it takes me aside to think, how many other ideas uh, have we not tapped into in, in, in terms of crowd engagement and atmosphere building and fun to be had at grounds? Because that has been a remarkable achievement from the Raiders to get the Viking clap happening in Canberra, to now take it to their fans around the league. And you can't tell me that there are some people going to away venues hoping the Raiders win as a Raider fan so they can get involved with their own Raiders clap. I think it's fantastic. We need some more songs, If we had symposiums at each club to try and work out how we can better engage fans like using the Viking clap as an engagement, Mm. I reckon it would be a good move. Well, if I was in charge, if I was the CEO of any of the 16 NRL clubs, I would have prizes every week for best fancy dress and whatever else, people coming along and really getting into it and becoming regulars that people look towards 
at the game, which you see in you know American sport quite a lot. There's always mm. people who are in certain sections and they wear the crazy gear or in a like I know in the AFL there's the crazy Geelong fan who like he's he's right out there. Um, he's dressed up every week, but you always see him on the coverage or it's Joffa for Collingwood, fans like that. I mean, we, we don't quite have those regular... There used to be Brian. Remember the old Roosters fan? Yes. Chook. Yes. He was always doing the spirit fingers and he yes. had the rubber chook. Yes. You know, the, the washing glove. Head. That's right, the, the washing glove on top of his head looking like a rooster. He, we need more Brian. Aaron Wallace. We, we, <laughs> ne- we need more Aaron Wallace's. He was there yesterday cheering on his chooks. Shervo showed me at the baseball that you'll know about was a, a player, a man who in the full body lycra does a lap of the venue and someone out of the crowd can race him with a head start. and, and The freeze. The, the freeze, yes. which has been adopted by an NRL club. I should have researched Yeah, who, now who does it? Somebody um, does it. Do, not the Bulldogs. I've seen it. I saw it this yes, year. Yes, it's been, it's been picked up by an NRL Maybe club Maybe it's at the well. Bunnies. It, was it at ANZ? I was going to say some, What should I Google? Rubber man running around. But, but you know, someone... <laughs> I love the freeze. The, now, the freeze if you haven't is fantastic. Seen it, this guy is an well. I'm guessing he's Olympic caliber because yeah, he can really smoke it around. Just the, think, Matt Shervington in full sh- body so lycra. Shervo. So what we need is Shervo on his days off when he's not here at hosting Fox League coverage from the Clive Churchill studio. He needs to be out there in the full lycra, which would be a big hit in itself. Oh, wouldn't it? Was you know, just just think back to Shervo and the. The lunchbox, I mean. <laughs> I wasn't going to go that specific. Made, made a massive name. Lara's applauding. Made a massive <laughs> name <not>. for himself. <laughs> Shervo in the – and we'll give him the goggles because the freeze in baseball runs from foul pole to foul pole. Yes. And yeah, a punter out of the crowd. Who can run? Um, With a head start. Yeah, they, they don't get you know people in mobility scooters out of the crowd <laughs> to run against the freeze. They get people who can who can scoot a little bit, but he gives them you know forty or fifty uh, some stupid amount head start and mows them down. It's I, he, quite the sight. I'd love to. I'm going to research the freeze. Has he ever been beaten? The freeze? No, the freeze is undefeated. And, but like there was one where it was a photo finish. He, he almost didn't get there, and the crowd was roaring. And again, I'm thinking people would go to some baseball games just to see, to the, see freeze. the freeze. Yep, I'd or, go. To, I'd go to see Shervo or hope to challenge the freeze. I would too. Beat the lunchbox. <laughs> Can you beat the Mate, lunchbox? Stop it. Okay. <laughs> right, you almost lost. To, you almost lost it when Tedesco took his shirt off yesterday in goodness. the commentary well, box. So I was like, I, "Can you just calm down up me there, please?" Me losing it. What about the what about the females no, in women going. in league round <laughs> at the SCG? I mean, that was the biggest cheer of the day. We should plug uh, the girls on League Life this week who have an Aussie sex symbol on board, Brian Brown. Wow, is that how we should introduce him? I'll tell Vaughn to add that to her. The intro. boy from Panania. Yeah, he's a massive Dragons fan. He calls himself a massive. I think it was. It's the most frustrating experience to be a St George Illawarra fan, and I think uh, he's going to share some memories of growing up in playing for Kingsgrove, De La Salle rugby league around there. Okay. Don't know if I've said any of that correctly, but we're going to talk to him about his uh, fond memories growing up before he featured in movies such as Cocktail with Tom Cruise. He cru- crucified me for saying it, but that's oh. my favourite Brian Brown movie, yeah. Cocktail. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue. Uh, is there a Hollywood fairy tale finish for the Raiders? This year, just to round off the chat about the Raiders and the Storm, I think right now, I think right now they've proven that they are the equal of the Roosters and the Melbourne Storm. Because obviously, having beaten them and having just been beaten by the Roosters, not by much at home the week before, a really big test for the Raiders. They've come through it with flying colours. They are the team that um, I think they're certainly their fans believe they were, that Ricky believed they were, and we potentially thought they were. They've proven to everybody they are. I think. 
they're equal favourites right now. If I'm, Well, maybe if I'm framing a market, I've got the Roosters still with those players to come back. Mm. Coordinate, Taukeaho and Jake Friend to come back. If they get them all on the field at the same time, they're a massive chance of going back to back. But I've got the Raiders on the second line of betting with Melbourne. Roosters, Melbourne, Raiders for me, but each able to beat the other on their day, and that's mm. all you need is you turn on Fox League to watch any of the finals if you're not going to the ground. Absolutely. Roosters by far and away the team to beat after watching them at the SCG a few times this year. I think they will take a lot out of playing the Raiders last week. There's so much that they've said around they don't let the Roosters play the style of football that they like to play. So they have to get down and dirty and in the grind with the Raiders. But I have no doubt that the Roosters between now and when they play them next in the finals will be working on a way to get around that incredible defence from the Raiders. So they've played them late in the season and I'm sure if they meet each other again, it wouldn't be the same sort of tight contest necessarily that we saw where there were lots of uh, strips and, you know, we heard that <laughs> Robbo didn't like that. Although the Warriors got away with well, one again yesterday. Can I interrupt, Lara? Yeah. Because John Corey has contacted the pod on Twitter. Oh. Uh, the stripping rule is a joke. The Warriors player already has the ball in possession before his teammate drops off and he reefs it. They are not. They are stealing the ball whilst the tackle is going on. That is not legal. John, thanks for your feedback. John's not a fan of the stripping rule, at least when it's done that way. I'd need to see that event over and over again. As I said last week, I am a fan of the stripping rule. And I have been amazed this week as I've listened to any number of talkback radio shows and watched the Fox League debate on it. You can have – it really does split the game. You would have one player – He's played 200 games at the elite level saying, I love it, I absolutely love it. You can have another bloke, a contemporary, 200 games against him saying, I hate it. Why did we have to go back? It, it mm. really does seem to divide rather than have it's, any sort of common opinion. But don't you think if, for a current day player to have an opinion on it sets them up to be a little bit of a target? Because Jared Rhea Hargrave said during the week that he really doesn't like it. Well, I heard um, Ryan Girdler say that he loves it. Mm. And I've heard... But he's Jamie, not playing anymore. Jamie for Jared Sow, saying Jamie that... Jamie would say that he hates Yeah, it. he's not comfortable with it, but he's out there right now in the battle. So he's obviously not at ease with that coming at him. So if you're an opposition player, you're like, well, let's give it a crack on, yeah. on big JWH. As I said, you know, last week or the week before, just the aesthetics of it for mine is a little... Little untoward, I think. Just you know, players involved in tackles and then purposely jumping out of tackles to let the man with mm. his hand around the ball rip that ball away. I, that's the part of it for mine, which I'm just like, oh, I don't know how it. I, I'm happy to run with it for the time being. It's too late now. We're gonna. It's here till the end of the season. Mm. I don't think it's going to change. I I think it'll probably be here because no. we had equally we had this sort of controversy in the past when players would break free from a two-man tackle and, and then the ball would be ripped out. Well, and then someone else would get involved. As somebody else is getting involved in the tackle, mm. was that then another two-man tackle? I mean, there was – There's no matter what you do with the rule, there's some potential for drama. Yeah. Isn't there? So yeah. w- whether there's two in the t- – whether there's one or two in the tackle can be debated in lots of ways, which mm. it, from which, whichever end you come at it. So it doesn't matter which what, what you do, there's going to be drama, which is why we changed the rule – in the first place at the beginning of the 2018 season. It's just now that teams have perfected the art of the strip and the Raiders know better than uh, better than anybody. Um, while we were talking about it again, I, I think it's probably here to stay. What about getting away from the strip? We did it last week. The Raiders, they, they could host a final week three to qualify for the grand final. Sure. So, Can that know. happen? The prelim can be at home. 
the prelim can be in designated venues of which GIO Stadium Canberra mm-hmm. is earmarked as, really? a, as a, a, so an a option if they qualify. Yeah. So if they were to play the Roosters in week one, for example, at the SCG, using the ladder now, uh, Lose. Knock, knock, no, knock the Roosters off, oh. go straight to week three in Canberra. Okay. And we'll know more about the Raiders because they play Manly this week. So, um, I, well, we'll know. I guess we'll know more about Manly. Yeah. Let's put it from that point of view. I think we, we know what we know about the Raiders. They are a legitimate chance. They are a massive chance to win the premiership right here in 2019. We'll find out more about Manly after they play the Raiders this week, which is, you know, third versus fourth. Are we going through the games now, Was Are we up to... Well, let's, let's get to it. It's the Eels and the Dogs to kick things off on Thursday night. Um, I'm going to go with the team on top of the ladder as far as this matchup is concerned, and I'm going to say Parramatta will beat the Bulldogs. But I don't think it'll be... If the Eels do win, I don't think it's by any sort of flash scoreline. I think it might be 8 to 10 points potentially. Or, But I could equally see a Bulldogs win. The home venue for both clubs now, but... Um Parramatta for me, Lara. Parramatta Bulldogs on Thursday night to open the round. Are you Stop looking at your photos. Sorry. Sorry. You're looking at photos of James Tedesco. <laughs> I was going to try and oh smother God. for you then. It's unbelievable. Incorrect. I'm Bloody actually hell. looking at messages around Hannah Hollis's hens party that we're organising <laughs> 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 at Sorry. Oh. Um, Parramatta. <laughs> you and I able to jump out of a cake? What do you reckon? <laughs> I was going to say, don't give us the venue. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. That Parramatta be beat the Bulldogs to open this the weekend. I'm going to go at... Bank West. Yes, at Bank Parramatta, West. Parramatta, please. What happens at a hen's party these days? <laughs> Can we we'll save no, this? We'll save this for our final well, podcast well, when I have I'm all the plans say. in place. But Hannah, listen, so I can't give anything away. So oh. is it uh, the, the hen's party is post season? I take it is post season. Her wedding's that, in November. So yes. okay, yeah. good call to start yeah. with. Okay. Uh, the I mean, league life organising. <laughs> yeah, the league life. Does it go for party? one day or like three days, Stop like a bucks party? We will see. I'm not quite sure. In Sydney or outside of? It's in Sydney. Oh, it's okay. in Sydney, yeah. Okay. So watch out. All right. Well, yeah. finish. I don't know if that's, <laughs> no, okay, that's a good thing or a bad thing, actually. Um, it could be like the, the Bulldogs on Mad Monday. You think you're behind closed doors and guess what? Cameras galore. Cowboys and Panthers to kick things off on Friday night up there in Townsville. I'm headed north again for the second last game at 1300 Smile Stadium. And I'll be there the week after to bring the joint down. I'll be taking a bag full of Jellignite with me just to make sure they blow the place up or blow that commentary box that, up well, anyway. Look, look, the ground, fair enough, but the commentary box was. We, yeah. we will – there'll be no – Tears shed as that bites the dust. I'll put it this way. The playing surface is straight out of Field of Dreams. The commentary box is Escape from Alcatraz. (laughs) That's a very good way to put it. It's horrendous. It's not even as big as an Alcatraz cell was. No, it's not. It's not. And it smells just as bad. It smells like there's a toilet in the corner. And the moths. The moths are plastered (laughs) against the window. I was pleased to report that Lotto Land doesn't stink as badly as it used to. They must have freshened it up up there. Really? Yeah. But they haven't improved the windows, have they? No, but it doesn't smell. So every time I go there, I get a bad back from Mm. bending over trying to see at the window. Okay, Um, Cowboys v Panthers. Who are you going for? Panthers, too much to lose. Panthers, too much to lose. But I thought the Panthers would beat the Broncos. Well, you thought wrong. Anyway. <laughs> what as blunt as that? That's brutal. I, 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 don't, I can't tip them ever. I get it wrong all the time. They're my bogey Panthers? team. But I'll go well, Panthers. You know, the, the They'll Cowboys. probably lose now. Cowboys have been stinky for the last month. Yeah, the Panthers win that. Stinky. Um, I'm going to say the Panthers win that one. Broncos, Rabbitohs. Boy, this is a, this is a uh, – I'm going to say the Broncos at home will be favourites, but uh, – Without players. With players missing, uh, Pangai suspended. Um Oh, does he? I mean, is he, he hasn't taken the plea as yet, has he? He's got until tomorrow. But he definitely can't be playing this plea,
missing a halfback, uh, dearth of options there. They let Nicarima go at the middle of the season. We said when that happened, we said that could come back to bite them, or maybe maybe it's biting them right now. The Rabbitohs though, they've got their own issues as well. It's a toss of the coin job for mine. I'm just going to say the Broncos forward pack and Payne Haas, who with that try he scored against the Panthers up there on Friday night. That was remarkable. And he, he's an origin player for 15 years if he wants to be. But I want to go with South Sydney, but with Sam Burgess not there, I really find this one tricky. I'd go with the visitors because I reckon really? there'll be a rebound from South at some stage. Oh. And I reckon that... The Broncos, having survived last week, losing Pangai, um, I just think they might be hit. Well, they get for a speed they bump. should get what Glenn and Gillett back, maybe because they both missed. So I'm going to go Broncos for yeah. no real reason, to be honest. That's a real hard one. I've all tipped the Broncos to beat the Bunnies up there, and which will continue the free fall for the Rabbitohs. Mm. It'll be three from their last eleven, if it turns out that way. You're not tired, South. You're not tired. Not tired. You're busted. Saturday, Super Saturday. <laughs> Uh, right here, live on Fox League, the Sharks and Stop the Warriors that, Matthew. Um, at Points Bet Stadium. I'm at Points Bet Stadium for this one, for this cracker. Um, I'm going to go with the Sharks, I think. The Warriors are finished. They've got nothing in the tank. Sorry. Yeah, I'm going with this one and the Warriors staying in Australia this yeah. week because of seemingly the importance of having a game on Sunday in Sydney into a game on Saturday in Sydney. They were right there around the eight when they made that decision to stay. They are. They'll be without Jared Beal after that terrible knee injury yesterday and the Sharkies there They've got to the improve, the though. They They've do. got to be so much better. But the Sharks should be winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, importantly, just the charges coming through from yesterday and Jazz Devunga for that hit on Cooper Cronk. Uh, grade one contrary conduct, but not enough points. He's a clean skin. So 75 he'll, points. He'll be right to play, which is crucial because they, speaking of the Broncos, having no halfbacks, well, the Warriors have got no dummy halves. Mm. So Tavunga is clear to play against uh, against the Sharks on Saturday. Um, Tigers and Knights, as we've talk, spoken about, um, this one at Campbelltown Stadium, second game on Super Saturday. Oh, I, think the, I think the Newcastle Knights. Yeah. I think that was enough to get their mojo confidence back. I'm going to go over Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, Josh Reynolds stepping in for Robbie Farah and Jacob Little, but uh, the Tigers, you know, they are the team we thought they were all season. There was a, they won those couple of games in a row, but in reality, uh, it was it was against them. Well, the, you know, in round 19, these two teams played, and the Tigers beat Newcastle up there, 28-26. So as recently as that, the Tigers were too good for Newcastle. I just think now Newcastle, maybe off the back of that win. That was Robbie's uh, 300th, and that, he scored a try. That's true. A and when, and when, the, when the Knights find a bit of form, they usually carry it for a few weeks. They, they, are, they are streaky. They are hot and cold. When they are cold, they're awful, and they're awful for a bunch of weeks in a row. When they're playing well, they tend to play well for a little period as well. Mm. Um, you can break their season up into definite patches. I'll say they beat the Tigers down there at Campbelltown this week. Last game on Super Saturday is the Dragons up against the Roosters. Uh, this one at uh, Net Strata Jubilee Stadium. Had to second guess myself for a moment there to work out whether that was Wollongong or Cogra. It's Cogra, um, but the Roosters to win that one. So Lara Pitt is at Points Bet Stadium at three o'clock for the we'll Sharkies Warriors. Cogra. You've got the very short journey to Cogra to watch your Dragons go around on Saturday night. Of course, you'll be there, won't you? Uh, I've got to babysit the. 
the boys, but um, the pit crew will still be going. Okay. Yes, there'll be a crew there. But can we skip to the next game, please? Can't you just find a babysitter in the crowd at Netstrata? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, for that game? <laughs> Am I going to shell out some cash to go and watch that game? <laughs> no, I mean, take that the boys to up. the ground and just lasso someone. Can yeah. you watch these beautiful young that boys while I go up. and... Sit with Ant and watch the footy. Yeah, the, I'll, the I'll best just way stay to on the judge couch. the Dragons' chances in any game from this point on will be whether Lara was willing to shell <laughs> cash for a babysitter <laughs> to go much. and watch the Dragons. If you're not willing uh, to shell tag the team, cash. I'll come straight home from points bet and let the family all head out to the game together. It takes a community to raise a child, Lara. Just take your boys to the community that is the crowd at Let's Drive. They would be more entertaining to watch <laughs> at the moment. Storm and Titans on Sunday at two o'clock down there at Amy Park. The Storm, you'd think, by plenty. Yes. They, 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 surely they'll be one of the shortest price favourites in ridiculousness. You know, NRL history. What mm. By what margin? Should we have a sweep on the margin? We'll revisit this next week. Well, you know, these are the sort of games where it's easy to say, look, Melbourne should win by 50 or 40 and you wake up and they've snuck home by six or it, it's, it surprised you. That seems to happen, but... Um, having said that, Melbourne by 40 was. <laughs> I was going to say 50, sure. Let's, I'll say 50. You say 40. Okay, I'll go 42. Melbourne beat them 38-18 up there 18? on the Gold Coast. Oh, I thought you were going to say this week. No, <laughs> Sorry. No, 30, in round 18, they beat them 38-18. to 18. Um, uh, uh, Melbourne by, I'll say, Mel, what did you say? 42. Melbourne by 42. Lars, Melbourne by how many? Even 50. 50. 42 and 50. I'm just jotting these down. I'm going to say Melbourne by 36. Okay. I'll go low ball. Okay. 36. Okay. Uh, winner by winner gets ice creams from the other two <laughs> from downstairs at the cafe. They sell ice creams downstairs? No. They don't. Uh, What's wrong with them? Upstairs. Upstairs you can buy. You've oh, got to be a buy yeah. ice cream somewhere we're, nearby here. There's no, no downstairs anyway. from here, is there, Phil? We're we'll underground go. George currently. Bregan's Cafe. We'll get on to we'll that. get some Gigi's. gelato. George get some too. gelato from Georgie. Yep. Um, George's Gelatos. There's another chain he could come up with and make a couple of mil- more million. Um, <laughs> the Raiders versus the Sea Eagles is a final game, cracking game down there at GAO Stadium on Canberra, in Canberra on Sunday afternoon. Um, I think the Raiders at home. Yep. I think Canberra at home in front of what should be another big crowd for them uh, off the back of their Melbourne victory. Uh, Canberra just a little bit resilient, too resilient at home for Manly and what should be a belter. I think it's good they've got the long turnaround because it's been two huge weeks to play the Roosters, to play Melbourne. But I think I will go for the – say the Raiders can back it up with a win. But I don't think it's going to be an easy game. This one is another mm. really tough game for them. So, ooh, that's a hard one. That, that's, just, that's a really hard one. That's a great game. Yeah. It's looming as yep. a fantastic game on paper. Terrific way to finish off round 23. We only have three rounds left between here. And the finals, it's come around pretty quickly, hasn't it? I think it has. I haven't had the lull this year. I feel like it's gone. The really post-origin lull. No, I didn't has, have has, the lull. It's normally it's, it drags on, but no. this year for some reason, but, and there's always interest in the, you know, who's going to finish in seventh or eighth. Uh, and, it, you know, given what we've seen over the past couple of weeks in this race and the, the teams who are outside the, the eight, I mean, the Panthers are 10 and 11, the t- uh, Knights are 9 and 12, the Tigers are 9 and 12. Can you imagine if the idea at the start of the season was implemented that we would have not, it, was, it wasn't going to be implemented this year, but, you know, 2020 and beyond. The wild There card would be game. a wild card oh. weekend and we'd have seven versus 10th and eighth versus ninth in week one of the finals for the final two spots in the premiership right now. That'll be the Broncos versus the um, versus the Knights, 
and the Sharks versus the Panthers. Honestly, I mean, that was the worst idea. Before you even get to the eight for the finals as we know it now. All for the, you know, supposed idea of avoiding dead rubbers. That'd be like playing, you know, the bottom six to decide final rankings. Exactly. (laughs) There's an idea. I mean, this weekend, here we are in round 23. The Eels-Dogs is a live game as far as the top eight. Cowboys-Panthers, Broncos-Rabbitohs, Sharks-Warriors... Tigers Knights is still a live game just as far as the top eight is concerned. Dragons Roosters, Storm Tot. Right? I mean, there there are no dead rubbers yeah. this weekend. So what what was they talking about as far as you know, they're reckoning their reasoning for you know what their description of what they describe as dead rubbers? They would they, in under their reckoning they'd have said Eels Bulldogs was a dead rubber because the Bulldogs perceivably can't make the top eight. And the, or the Cowboys Panthers would have been a dead rubber under that, that reasoning. It was just it was absolute semantics and rubbish that they came up with to try and As long as you got one team in finals calculations, that is enough to hang a game on. Of course because, it is. As you know, the Bulldogs showed against the Dragons last year when they beat them yeah. thirty eight blot yeah. in the second last week of the minor premiership. That meant a lot to the Dragons. Remember that one it was last? Far from a dead rubber. <laughs> How good's this week gonna be? It, like, what, bait, like should we put a score on, the, on the, this weekend? Where, Let's do that. Where were the kids in round 24 <laughs> last year? I think I was sideline. hiding in the cupboard because mum and dad weren't looking for someone to kick. I worked oh. sideline. I worked sideline for the that horrible last few weeks. I kept getting the Dragons games. They lost the Tigers, I think, as well. That was when Remus Smith had a butte game, oh, wasn't we, it? Let's just go. Okay. You're all mean. The Bulldogs. <laughs> Thanks um, a lot. That'll wrap it up. Fascinating weekend coming up. Great chatting. See you next week. See you next week.